ulterior. What's up? What's good? It's me, second fastest rising star out of San Antonio behind Victor Womanyama. Bro, there's a lot going on out there right now in sports. It's definitely a time to be alive, American sports at least, a time to assimilate yourself in American culture and become a degenerate watcher of these ultimately mundane events that somehow still rile all of us up. Um, if you had the Astros or the Phillies, sucks to suck. Um, on the subject of sucks to suck, this past weekend was also the first weekend in which I put money into a pick and pull for NFL games. Bro, they put it in my stomach. I can't cap. I got like four out of the fucking games for the week, man. That shit was nasty. Um, I don't know who told fucking Buffalo or San Francisco to play like that, but it happened. It's a thing. It be what it be, I guess. Actually, no, it don't be what it be. Run me my fucking bread, man. Stop messing with these games. I want money. But aside from money, the other thing I want right now would be you guys' time. The time that you do not need to be dedicating to this show, but for whatever reason, on a weekly basis, you do, and for that, I fuck with you. I respect you, and above all else, I'm thankful for you. So, what do we got this episode? We got brand new singles by the likes of Windwalkers, In Your Absence, Dream State, and Fielders I want to mention, and then brand new records by Blink-182, Knucklepuck, Dreamwell, and Catch Your Breath. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So next spring, Bad Omens will be doing the makeup shows for uh, some of the events that they had to cancel recently on Concrete Forever, and for whatever reason, that little mini run is starting up in San Antonio. I get to see Bad Omens. I got a Bad Omens ticket. Nobody can tell me shit now. Um, I might have mentioned a few months ago that I had a ticket for Bad Omens in Austin, and just circumstances around that time weren't really favorable for myself financially so I ended up selling the ticket and that was hard like like genuinely really really hard because I probably said this you know a cornucopia of times before on this show right now Bad Omens is one of if not currently like my favorite band in the world today and even if that's a cliche answer even if that is the you know TikTok slash Twitter pilled answer it's my answer, dog. I fucking love Bad Omens. I love everything that the band stands for right now. I enjoy being able to watch their ascent, and now I get to be a part of that in person. That's fucking sick, and very, very happy about that. Really, really happy. But yeah, that's going to be in a few months. Right now, we should go ahead and focus on what is happening in the now, in the present, and the music that we got last week. So the first one up I want to mention is a new single by Windwalkers called Dissipate. Dissipate. 
This is off of the upcoming album by Windwalkers called What If We Break, out on November 17th. When album time comes around, we can talk a lot more about the history of Windwalkers and why this is such an important record for them. But what is evident to myself, just off of Dissipate, is that they've got an incredibly polished and effective sound going for themselves heading into this album. Just from the wall of sound that initiates after the intro, Dissipate took me on a journey that never once let up in its runtime. It never once lost the momentum that builds immediately when you press play. And the song just continuously elevated itself from these really soothing verses that became progressively more intense, culminating in one of the best and fucking catchiest choruses I have heard recently. I really think Dissipate is rooted in a sound that, even if not unique to the alternative scene, I will always have such an affinity for bands that navigate songs like this as well thought out and executed as Windwalkers have done on this single. This is a remarkable track that I don't believe anybody in the scene should be missing out on. Let's take a look at Wolf and Bear ahead of a very big week for themselves, and that is off of their new single, K Resort. This is from the new record called Bloodletter, dropping on October 27th, so the Friday of the week that the episode releases. Uh, there's actually a chance that by the time any of you guys hear this right now, the record will already be out, so please go check it out, listen to it, but not before I tell you how fucking sick I think K Resort is. I believe that Wolf and Bear generally have been one of the more impressive bands in the last few years within the lines of Swancore and progressive post-hardcore, whatever you want to call the genre. K-Resort is essentially like a clinic on how to do this sound. From the constant swings and shifts in the song's pacing to the dueling cleans and screams by Marcus and Tyler, every chaotic element of the song manages to circle back to the chorus that perfectly details the essence and excellence of everything Wolf and Bear can provide. Somewhere in the middle of the track, there is this section that it, it almost goes into like a real jazz-inspired rhythm, and I think it is such a great time overall, and one of those elements to Wolf and Bear's cadence that, it, to me, it's just unmatched right now, and you know, per usual with Wolf and Bear songs, I've had so much fun with this single, and I cannot wait to get into Bloodletter at the end of the week. Picture Perfect is the name of the brand new single out now by In Your Absence. This is the second single that we've gotten so far from In Your Absence since their inception, and just like Blind Faith, which was the debut single, 
I think there is so much that this band has to offer because of how quickly they've managed to find their sound and continuously build on it in a way that allows them to be just as effective as the best bands in the scene and maybe even more effective in some cases. I think there is a really powerful and commanding voice from Jesse on this track's chorus that feels so grandiose. And then even in the initial verse where he's a bit more quiet and reserved before that big wall of sound emerges, it's still this very impactful force. I think the breakdown is another standout moment of the song that ties everything together perfectly before the final chorus. In Your Absence have been tremendous so far, nothing but W's between this single and Blind Faith, and I cannot recommend them enough to you guys. Um, Immerse. They keep putting out these bangers, and I'ma keep gassing them up. This new one is called Freaky. I don't think Immerse have ever truly gotten even a sliver of the flowers that they've earned by showcasing this consistent pattern of delivering quality material, no matter what the sound they're chasing is. This single here, Freaky, goes through a few different avenues within Immerse's arsenal, in the sense that there's quite a bit on this single that kind of reminds me of... It immerses metalcore style from back when I first found them a number of years ago, 2018 to be exact, and then mix in the almost like new metal alternative rock-esque groove that they've gotten comfortable with in the last few singles, and I, I think all of that coming together makes for a song that fits right in with what Immerse's patented style is, and it's just another notch under the belt of a band that I do not believe receives the love that their talent warrants. Dream State have a new single out now called Still Dreaming. This is the title track for what the band is calling a mini-album that is set to release on January 26th. What a mini-album constitutes, I guess, is up to your interpretation, but what matters more than the concept of the nomenclature is the song here, because it is tremendous in my opinion. It has this aggressive nature and feel to its instrumentation that carries over perfectly to the overall structure of the track. It, like, there are just these moments on it of, you know, such tranquility that allow the beautiful atmosphere of Dream State's ideas to shine through, and then also moments to show off the range that they can wield with the prowess for the heavier sector of their persona. This song is powerful and beautiful all at the same time, and I think Dream State really do have something here with this Still Dreaming mini-album. The final single that I want to go into detail on for the week comes from Breakaway, it is Outside. Just as 
So, I've seen recently this band be described as Female Sleep Token, and specifically from Metal Burb reacting to them. And I do understand where that is stemming from, because the production has a lot of details that are similar to Sundowning and This Place Will Become a Tomb laced throughout it. And I think Jessica gives off a cadence similar at times to Vessa whenever he's you know, a bit more relaxed in his tone. But at large, I don't want to boil this band's energy and potential and image down to just female sleep token and typecast them in any way, because what they did on Outside was truly remarkable in my opinion. It is atmospheric and emphatic in its delivery, making Breakaway a band that has a real shot at capturing the imaginations of anybody in their radius, and that is just with two songs to their name as of now. There's a lot going on here, and a lot more to watch play out, likely in the favor of Breakaway, because a song like Outside can be the perfect foundation for them to build upon, and I want to see that happen. I want to hear more about Breakaway, and I want to see more people championing them. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in their views on social media. Dreaming in Color by 5050. Sad Songs and Silhouettes by After My Fall, Vital Signs Compromise by After My Fall, Arms Length by Arms Length, Bete Noir by Capstan, Get Over by Charlotte Sands, 1000 Miles Back Home by Sharia Moore, Wait For Me by Days to Waste, Trailblazer by Deficit, Jaded by Glimmers, this was originally called Haley, as in reference to Haley Williams, and then the band changed the name because of some online backlash and you guys can go check out what happened but um that song is really good though i fuck with it a lot pieces of me by happy days will i run by holofront facing failures by malefoy and chaos bay city ghoul by not my grave mare's nest by patient 67 hard by poppy drug emporium by post profit the guilt machine by renaissance Song the Bullet Sings by Safe Face featuring Heart Attack Man. Put to Death by Texas in July. Cut by The Air I Breathe. Designer Shroud of Turin by The Callous Boys featuring Pulses. On the Verge by Throne. And Infinite Goodbye by Wither Away. Two things to know real quick. Firstly, no song got below a four last week, so this was a really good week for singles. And then secondly... Um, I just mentioned Sharia Moore and the Cow Stab Boys. They were not actually singles, so those two songs I mentioned were part of EPs by both bands. The thing, though, is that those EPs had only three new songs, and the other two for those respective releases I've already mentioned before on the show. I reviewed them as singles. So it didn't really make sense to me to, you know, put aside time on this show to mention a three-song EP from two bands that I've covered you know, more than half of. Um, they're still very good, though. I, I do suggest checking out both those EPs. The Sheree Moore EP has two acoustic versions of older songs by them, Orlando and Love Is Not Your Thing. I say older even though they're just, you know, one or two years old. But you get my point. And, yeah, uh, Sheree Moore, Cal Stout Boys, good shit. Love y'all. And now I'm going to go ahead and move into the records for the week. And the first one up is... Metrically, and by name value, one of the biggest that I've ever talked about before on this show. And it is One More Time by Blink-182. 
think sitting here and explaining to you guys the history and lore of Blink-182 would be ineffective because every single one of you listening to my voice right now has a story with this band. You either grew up listening to them or you found them later on and not, not even maybe by venturing into the scene you found them because they exist in a realm that is greater than the scene itself. They might have been the entry point to the scene for some of you guys and that is because Blink is pop culture. Blink is everything that we have wrapped ourselves with. And whether you know it or not, Blink has impacted your listening habits. One More Time is the first record of theirs with the most well-known lineup they've ever had. Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLonge, and Travis Barker since 2011's Neighborhoods. They've had two other albums since then, California and Nine, both of which had Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio in place for Tom. And I mentioned California and Nine for reasons that I'll return to later. But what's important to know about One More Time is the backstory to how the record came to be. Um, there is this incredible interview that Zane Lowe did with the band prior to the album's release that I encourage everybody to go check out because it goes into a lot of detail about the aforementioned backstory, but the general gist is that when Mark was diagnosed with cancer back in 2021, that led to the reconciliation phase that he and Travis needed to have with Tom in order for him to return to Blink. And now we have one more time out of that. With all of these stars aligning, per se, amidst some really unfortunate circumstances, this is, in my view, the most special and sentimental Blink-182 album of all time, and also one of the best. It's really easy, especially for somebody, you know, kind of older like myself, to look at records like Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pantsing Jacket through the lenses of nostalgia, but being older now than I was when I first heard those albums in my childhood, I can appreciate the more mature tones of this record that show up pretty often, and it absolutely hits each time. Just a, a fucking wave of emotion, like on the song, You Don't Know What You've Got, which is so, um, like it fits right there with everything that the band and Mark have had to endure in the last couple of years, and then, you know, when you think about Travis and his history with, like, the, the plane crash and all that stuff, it's a song that I feel like Blink really needed, and a lot of people, such as myself, who, you know, we've had our own struggles before with loss, and, you know, adaptation to things that we didn't want to adapt to, this song really carries a lot of weight in that essence, and it's really, really special to me for those reasons. I think possibly my favorite song on the album is When We Were Young, which, you know, coincidentally, the name aligned with the festival this past weekend. Um, I, I look at a song like When We Were Young, and even stripping away, like, the connection to the festival, the idea of Blink being able to now make a song that looks back on, you know, their adolescent years and the years of, like, formation and when the band was initially beginning, and kind of having the ability to look back on that, and it puts myself in that same spot where I'm listening to When We Were Young, and not only am I, you know, completely absorbing everything the song is telling me, but I am also looking back on, you know, my younger years when I was six or seven or eight, and I was downloading Blink songs and albums off of LimeWire, and just consuming the media that way. It was this really... 
I, I'm going to say special time, but I feel like anybody can romanticize their childhood, but a song like When We Were Young makes that so easy for me to do. And uh, again, kind of like uh, You Don't Know What You Got, it's a song that really means a lot to me now. And being able to have this incarnation of Blink that can do that in this day and age, that's really, really fucking special. I, I think the album definitely has its flaws. Uh, some of the shorter songs, they don't really, really do much for me, like uh, Turn This Off and then... Uh, Hurt, which is meant to be the interlude, but it's longer than some of the other songs here. Um, Fuckface is another instance where it just kind of feels like these could have been ideas crafted into larger songs or inserted into other tracks here. And I just feel like maybe those songs, you know, they never really had a chance to breathe, never had a chance to be as impactful as other things here. Um, edging, I... I don't know what it is about edging. I didn't have an issue with it when it first released as a single, and I still don't have an issue per se with it, but I feel like getting to hear it alongside, you know, some of the other songs here, it's in between when we were young and you don't know what you've got, so it's already at a disadvantage in that sense, and I feel like edging just kind of, it, it doesn't really have that same charm that a lot of these other songs do. I was going to make a pun about edging, but like, that would be... Well, you know what, I was going to say that would be immature, but it's Blink-182, so let me do it. The song Edging is literally edging. Let me put it that way. And if I can make one other weird gripe of sorts with the album, it's what I kind of talked about earlier when I said that I would come back to California and Nine later on. I love these songs, and like I said, when we were young and you don't know what you've got, they're really special to me, as of now. But I also don't know how many times necessarily I will return to the best songs in this record the way that I did a song like She's Out of Her Mind, which is off of California, or Run Away, which was from Nine. Run Away, honest to God, could be like top five or top three Blink songs I've ever heard. I know that's like a weird thing to say about a Nine song, but it carried that kind of a weight for me. It was that impactful. And I do think over time, some songs here will be able to do that, but it's just as of right now, I don't look at those songs in the same limelight necessarily. And that's not a bad thing. It's just like, you know, Blink has a standard that needs to be uh, met. And I think in a lot of ways, the record does meet those standards, but also not everything that could have been done to make this record even more blissful was done. But again... That's not really the point of why we're here. We weren't necessarily here, at least in my eyes, to get a perfect Blink album, to get a Blink album that stands above the rest of them. We got a Blink album that is special. You know, I, I keep using that word special, but it really, really stands out to me for one more time. It's Mark. It's Tom. It's Travis. It's our childhood right before our eyes in adulthood in these dark and dire times resonating with us because they themselves have had to endure dark and dire times in a way this album represents the growing up period of sorts from you know being a kid listening to enema and take off your pants and jacket and self-titled and then now being an adult and getting to experience one more time and having these themes resonate with me the way they do i value and cherish that a lot right now knuckle Puck has a new album out now it is losing what we love
I believe that the last time I really got into detail covering Knuckle Puck was on their 2022 EP called Disposable Life, which I I do remember being into at the time, but I would be lying to you guys if I said that it's a release I've really gone back to or ever thought about again after the first couple listens. And that's not at all indicative of Knuckle Puck's talents because I think that band is comprised of some immensely brilliant individuals who are consistently bringing forth some of pop punk's brightest moments with every record cycle. And after seeing them live a few months ago on their co-headliner with Real Friends, I feel like my appreciation for what they do increased tenfold. And I was really excited to be able to listen to Losing What We Love, especially because of how much I enjoyed the singles rollout. I think Groundhog Day, which was the first single out back like almost a year to the day of the record's release actually, it kind of laid the groundwork and really showed that Knuckle Puck were going to not only continue on what they've been building, but also somehow find a way to still reinvent themselves. And I think that is a really admirable characteristic about them. Um, the Tower and the Tower Strike Losing What We Love were the two more recent examples we got as to, you know, the... Uh, the brilliance I spoke about earlier with Knuckle Puck, especially the title track. I think the title track, it does a great job at capturing the the right mood and the right vibe for Knuckle Puck. And what I mean by that is Knuckle Puck operate at their best whenever they have, you know, this like upbeat nature that is mixed with a, a melancholy style that is very akin to, you know, let's say the Wonder Years, for example. And not that anything happening here is like as brooding as the wonder years but it just has like that same sense of despair in a way but you can't really tell because these songs are just so fucking catchy and infectious i think losing what we love the title track really captured that magic especially on the chorus because the chorus is not anywhere near as bubbly or bright as a lot of other moments on the record but it still feels so, like, patented knucklepuck, and I fucking love that. I think the record wastes no time with the opening song, A New Beginning, and just immediately kind of throws everything that it has at you, but not in a way where the album shows its hand immediately, but just, it, like, puts you into the proper space and the proper, um like navigation system of sorts that you need to get through losing what we love i think october is another fucking quality song by them that does a stellar job at kind of just you know embodying the heart and the spirit of pop punk or at least the type of pop punk that i gravitate to because i think i've said before on this show to you guys pop punk is the easiest genre to lose me in there's not a, a ton within the boundaries at the moment that pull me in and like really, really pull me in, not just for a couple of songs and then a few listens thereafter, but like genuinely puts me in this mind frame of this band that I'm listening to right now is one of the best within the genre and then potentially outside of it as well. And I get that sense through Knuckle Puck and a song like October. Um, Act Accordingly is like tied right now with title track for my favorite on the record. I think Act Accordingly it has, you know, that, um, like, that spirit of pop punk that I've been talking about at length so far, but then also just the right amount of hits of 
post-hardcore, and it's kind of hard to explain. It's not a heavy song at all, but it just feels very aggressive and very raw in its production, and it's not necessarily a cadence that I can liken to another song on this album. It really just, you know, stands above so much else in that regard, and that is kind of what lured me in to act accordingly and what has been luring me in for the last week, because I go back to the song so many times. The couple listens I've given of Losing What We Love, whenever Act Accordingly comes on, I'm just like, fuck yeah, man, this song fucking rules. And I feel really inspired to be able to say that about Knuckle Puck. I know that I said earlier that Knuckle Puck didn't really have, you know, the brooding and melancholy nature of an act like the Wonder Years per se. I feel like on the closing song, Full, they kind of do. Full is the slowest song on the record. It has this atmosphere that is a lot more daunting than anything else on the album. And daunting in the sense that, like, there is no upbeat instrumentation to kind of mask that somberness. It's just kind of laid out right in front of you. And I think it was a pretty cool way to close the album. And all in all, it's such an easy listen. Like, it's so easy for myself at least, to be invested in this release and be invested in Knuckle Puck altogether because they're a band who kind of just continuously, you know, makes a case for themselves as being potentially the best band in pop punk. And for a genre that, like I've said, I sometimes kind of fall out of love with, Knuckle Puck will always be there to lift me up no matter what. If nobody else got me in pop punk, you know what? Motherfucking Knuckle Puck does. Let me take some time right now to tell you guys about Dreamwell and their new release, In My Saddest Dreams, I Am Beside You. In the nicest way possible. This feels like a record for the sickos. This is the kind of record that you don't really show anyone else or or try to explain to anyone exactly what about it resonates with you. It's the record that you tuck away and you keep to yourself to enjoy. And amidst every odd element of In My Saddest Dreams, you find inspiration you find solace, you find comfort, you find a bunch of quirky motherfuckers who can deliver something so abstract so effectively. That's what I mean by sickos. Dreamwell isn't for everybody, and that's perfectly okay. In some aspects, I don't know how much of their act is for myself, truthfully, because I am going to get into some choices for the record uh, from a creative standpoint and the composition of it, That didn't move me as much as I would have liked, but overall, I still think I got what I wanted out of this album. It is a diabolical type of fun that is as much of a mess as it is a stroke of genius at times. One of those biggest times, in my opinion, is the opening song, Good Reasons to Freeze to Death. Because that song, it it kind of... I, I, I don't want to say properly introduces you to the record because I don't think there was any way that you could have necessarily been introduced in the proper way. Dreamwell kind of just had to throw something out there and you as a listener 
it, it was kind of your responsibility in a way to be receptive of it. And what they chose to do for the intro was have this really beautiful sounding opening structure that is a little bit misleading in some aspects because as the song progresses, it just like starts to spiral out of control. But that really nice guitar rhythm is maintained and it's maintained even when there's a blast beat in the background and just like screams piercing your ears. It's such a weird fucking good time. That's kind of the best way to explain it. A weird fucking good time. I think the song that follows it, Studying the Greats in Self-Immolation, is possibly my favorite on the album. It's largely instrumental until the closing moments, but in that instrumental portion, it kind of builds upon what I said about the opener for good reasons. It just, it's malevolently beautiful. It, it is such a strange song. And this is such a strange album altogether, but like, I, I enjoy that weird aspect of it so much. I think you get a really, really good stretch as the record progresses through songs like Lord Have Mercy on My Soul, All Towers Drown in the Equatorial Room, and then Obelisk of Hands. And those songs, you do kind of see the, like, continued aggression of Dreamwell really build up and really center itself in such a great way for the album's sound. Reverbations of a Sickly Wound was... One of those points of the record where, like I said earlier, I, I question some of the, the creative choices because it's an extended interlude and for a record where some songs maybe do kind of overstay their welcome in terms of runtime, I don't know how much an extended interlude could have benefited the album. I don't think it really had many benefits. And then, truthfully, by the closing stretch with the, the two final songs... I dreamt of a room of clouds and then uh, Rude Noms. It sort of felt like maybe every trick had already been seen or, or used in a way. Or, okay, maybe a better way for me to kind of explain it would be that every trick had been used properly enough to the point where I didn't really see how songs that were 6.32 and 7 minutes respectively really did much to, you know, help the exclamation point of sorts for the album i feel like you definitely could have shaven off a couple minutes from the runtime and it would have been a little bit more effective in its delivery but i ultimately do not want that stance to take away from the quality or the abstract nature of everything that i'm talking about what dreamwell did here was like i said earlier give an album for the fucking sickos the freaks of the scene and that's awesome we need more bands that can successfully do that. And Dreamwell is a band who I genuinely cannot wait to see continue to evolve and continue to push forward these very weird songs that still manage to soothe my brain in a very odd nature. And for the final record of the episode, we have one that I have been eagerly awaiting and just anticipating big time shame on me by catch your breath all 
I have said something to this effect before, but I feel like if you have just browsed TikTok and Instagram within the last year or so in the scene, then you've at least heard of Catch Your Breath before. Dial Tone is the song that took off, and I really believe that if you just listen to that song, then you can understand why it has had the success that it has. And then subsequently, if you listen to Shame On Me, then it'll be clear why Catch Your Breath is here to stay, and will do big things beyond just Dial Tone. Their talent is undeniable. They have this sense of craftsmanship of putting together memorable lines and hooks that you would expect out of a legacy act and not so much a ban on their debut full length. I had the privilege and joy of getting to see Catch Your Breath back in April as part of Until I Wake's headliner, and it was a really intimate show on Easter, and they still put forth a ton of heart and energy and spirit into the set, and it really, really captivated me. And and now, I feel like I have to go out of my way to see them again whenever they're nearby, because I want that chance to sing aloud some of the tracks on here, like, you know, 21 Gun Salute and the title track, Shame On Me. Like, these songs just hit, and they stick, and they have that immeasurable staying power and that it factor. You can't really describe it. It's not something that can be encompassed by a couple of words. It is just this really elemental experience. And I think Catch Your Breath found that magic right away. I did just mention 21 Gun Salute. And as of now, that is probably the song that sticks out currently as having the most potential to be massive the same way as Dial Tone. Like, if 21 Gun Salute had dropped last year instead of Dial Tone, I feel very confident in my belief that that song would have been just as viral and still helped Catch Your Breath get to the spot that they're in right now. And that's because those two tracks, 21 Gun Salute and Dial Tone, they really do embody the overall essence that I've been able to take from Shame On Me, which is that Catch Your Breath have just about perfected the concept of taking these really emotional and gripping themes and intertwining them into melodies that will not leave your head once they're there. The record is as catchy as it is moving, and that is one of the easiest ways to pull me into material. And all the while, there is still room for the band to show off the range of other elite metalcore acts by having their moments where they're heavy, like on the opening track, No Evil. And to me, it never once feels forced. It never feels out of place. It doesn't once ever come across to me like Catch Your Breath, you know, have this metalcore side to them just for the sake of fitting in with anybody else on Thriller or anybody in the scene for that matter. Catch Your Breath X a real spot for themselves in this genre and the boundaries that surround said genre. And some songs here really do call for that amplified intensity, and a song like No Evil fills that space perfectly, as does Cycles, which has a breakdown that feels so fucking early 2010s Rise Records coded. And if you're specifically here for the melody-driven aspect of Catch Your Breath, then songs like Dying on the Inside, Deadly, You Should Know Why, and Cold Light are going to do more than enough to satisfy you and capture your attention. 
There is another song that I want to highlight, and that is My Confessions, because it sort of stands out on its own island in a way on this record, in the sense that there is nothing else here that sounds like it, and I mean that with total endearment. My Confessions is carried largely by Josh's voice that feels so vibrant and out of this world and larger than life, while there is this incredible production backing him that really adds to the dimensions of the record and shapes the versatility of Catch Your Breath even further. I was genuinely blown away by this record, and I say that as somebody who already had a mountain's worth of expectations for this coming off the singles rollout that was among the greatest that I have seen in recent years from alternative music. It would be so easy to say that if you're into bands like Bring Me the Horizon, Bad Omens, and Motionless in White, then you should check out Catch Your Breath. But really, if you just appreciate good fucking music, then give these guys some spins because they're incredible and have more than justified their hype. And that's it. That was every album and single from last week for me to review... And I know these episodes are, you know, continuously being put out later in the week than what is ideal. It's something that I have to kind of deal with right now, you know, with like new scheduling and new priorities and that sort of shit. But what I can promise you guys is that I will always do my very fucking best and do what I can to make the time for this show, to make the time to talk about the scene that has given me, you know, so much life, more life than I probably deserve. And that is my, you know, constant promise to you guys. And next week is going to be even fucking bigger, maybe the biggest week of the year in totality, and I cannot wait for it. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene. (laughs) 